Hello, this is Dr. Chris Frickman, and you're listening to Vibrant Potential. Today, I am excited to bring you an interview I did with Dr. Deanna Minnick. She is a detox diva, and I will introduce her in just a minute. First, I just wanted to mention this is episode five of the Vibrant Potential show, and I am starting to get some feedback on iTunes and also a lot on the Facebook page as well. You can find us at www.facebook.com slash vibrant potential. And of course, also all the show notes are at www.drchrisfrickman.com slash podcast. My last name is spelled F like Frank, R-Y-K-M-A-N. And really, this is like so much fun for me that uh, I'm getting so much positive feedback from everyone. I just wanted to read some of this because I have gotten a few reviews on iTunes that people can see, but what I've gotten more of are private messages. And so I thought I would just go ahead and share a couple that I've been given permission to do so with. So here's one from a patient of mine, actually. His name is Alex. And um, he said, this is crazy how much all these episodes mesh with what I know and believe already. And they give me a way to organize it all in my head. This is great stuff. This is what people need to be listening to. So thanks for those kind words, Alex. If you guys are liking the show too, I love the private Facebook messages that I'm getting. And it'd be super helpful if you would go onto iTunes and give a review. That way everybody can see it and that way people know what they're getting into if they're thinking about listening to it. So if you don't know how to do that, it's very easy. You just literally log into iTunes and you hit the subscribe button and then you hit the, what is it, reviews and feedback or something like that. And you literally just write a review. It's super duper easy. So... Anyways, moving on, Dr. Deanna Minnick. Let's see, she has quite a bio, so I'm just going to skim over this. Dr. Deanna Minnick is a functional nutritionist. She was training with the father of functional medicine, Dr. Jeffrey Bland, for over 10 years. She served on the Nutrition Advisory Board, the Curriculum Committee, and as faculty for the Institute of Functional Medicine. So she has a huge background. She has like a bunch of degrees and stuff too, and I won't even get into all of them. She's a fellow and a certified uh, nutrition specialist for the American College of Nutrition. She has a PhD in medical sciences with an emphasis in nutrition from the University of, boy, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Groningen in the Netherlands. Wow, that is really cool. She's hosted a detox summit. She has put over a few thousand people through her detox challenge. She's writing a book on detox to add to her curriculum vitae. Of, she's already an author of five books on nutrition, wellness, psychology. So she is really cool. And detox is a super important aspect of functional medicine, in my opinion. I use it with so many patients, a huge percentage percentage of my patients go through some form of detox. So today we're going to go and we're going to find out more about her approach to it and how she really has found that with detox, it's going further than just changing the physical body. It's really shifting emotions and thought patterns. We're going to learn about her seven systems of health that she looks at when she puts people through a detox. So without further ado, let's get into it. This is Dr. Deanna Minnick. 
Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges, as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques, so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman. This is Dr. Chris Frickman here with Deanna Minnick. We're going to be talking a lot about detox today. So Deanna, I know that whole body detox is really a big deal for you. I would like my listeners to know a little bit about who you are, where you're coming from, what your story is, and then we'll get into the detox part. Can you share that? Sure. Uh, By the way, thanks for having me on this podcast. What a delight and uh, hello, everybody. So how did I get into detox? Well, it actually goes way back. I've been in the nutrition field for about 20 years. And the large part of that I spent within the Functional Medicine Research Center and and doing functional medicine, working uh, with Dr. Jeffrey Bland. And and Dr. Bland is well known in the functional medicine community. He initially started out doing lots of work on detox. And so that was really his his primary uh, area of research at our clinic. And so when I came into the clinic and, and started working with patients and working with the programs, that was one of the first things I learned was how to do a detox protocol. So I learned how to implement the elimination diet. And, you know, I'm a PhD nutritionist, so I I have a a strong research background. And I was always very curious about kind of the the research aspects of, of detox, right? So what I was noticing was every time we would put people on a protocol, in which they would have the elimination diet, they would probably have a medical food or some kind of nutraceutical support. I noticed that they had changes that went beyond their bodies. (laughs) So what that means is that, um, yes, their fatigue lessened. Yes, they had more energy. Yes, they were sleeping better. Yes, they were losing some weight, even though a detox isn't really about losing weight. It's about resetting the body and reducing inflammation, getting rid of food triggers and priming the different pathways in the body that lead to better hepatic detox and good elimination from the gut and skin and lungs and all these different organs. So anyway, what I was finding is that people were getting better physically, but they were also going through some pretty significant life changes when they would go through a detox. So I had people that would want to quit their jobs and follow their life's dream. I had people that would want to relocate from where they were living for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, you know, they really had this revelation that they wanted to move to England or Europe or Canada or, you know, just take off. And uh, I had other people who would end relationships with spouses or partners or boyfriends, girlfriends. And so what I was finding in my scientific mind, I was observing that a detox, even though it spans a very short time of 21 to 28 days, it was doing more than just changing the physical body. It was really changing psychology. It was opening things up in the physical body that led to emotional shifts and even 
changes in thought patterns. Uh, you know, within seven to ten days of starting a detox, I could already see that their perspective about food was radically shifted for, for the most part. You know, I, I think that how we eat is how we live, and how we live is how we eat. And so it absolutely makes sense that if we're changing our food, we're doing a detox, that we are going to see some life changes. Yeah, it sounds like it was a real impetus for change. Absolutely. And, you know, it was very consistent. And so I decided from that point on to to really go further with detox in the way of not just looking at a nutritional detox, but looking at a nourishment detox. And what I mean by nourishment is, you know, what really nourishes us in body? I look at seven different systems of health. So I look at the body. I look at emotions, I look at thought patterns, I look at how well we are with um, movement and self-care practices, I look at mindfulness, intuition, and essentially just how tapped we are into our our dream state and, and the signs and messages that come to us. And then also our spirit, because we are non-physical beings as well. We encompass the whole spectrum of physical to non-physical. Absolutely. Spiritual beings having a human experience, right? Yeah, says Stephen Covey, right? You know, that's a wonderful phrase. And I, I never forget that we are much larger than what we see. You know, I studied in college, I, I studied biology and English literature. And even within the English literature text, like I can remember Nathaniel Hawthorne, who is a writer, was talking about how bodily issues are most times an indicator of something in the spirit. So, you know, you, you get people from Eastern traditions, ancient healing practices, they don't see the body as sliced and diced into little parts. We are a whole. And so it only makes sense that when we change something somewhere, that we're going to see a ripple through effect. Yeah. Wow. That's actually very insightful. I mean, I've had similar experiences in the clinic. You know, I, I guess I've never heard anybody go that... I don't know, metaphysical with it, though. That's great. So do you actually have ways? <laughs> well, um, yeah, well, and, and it's, you know, yeah, you know, it, it, it's true. And I think if, you know, next time any of us goes through a detox, just observe that for yourself. And, and typically what I do before I have people go through a detox and I run detoxes seven times a year, I call it the whole detox. And what people do is they take a questionnaire when they start and the questionnaire is in seven parts. And these seven parts align to the seven systems that I just spoke to. And what you find is that many times people have done so many detox programs, they already know how to do food. They're experts at food. But what they really were lacking is some strengthening of their emotional body. So they might come out to be unhealthy in emotions when they do this questionnaire. And within the detox that I do, we offer support for all of these seven systems. So it makes it kind of nice because you can personalize your detox program. You don't just have to do food and nothing else. We do recognize that, again, we are a spectrum and we want to address the whole self with any health program. Fascinating. I don't know how much you want to share right now but uh, or how much you can even get into it in a short amount of time. But I'm curious, like just say intuition was one of the ones that you mentioned. How do you support intuition detox? Mm-hmm. 
So many times, uh, you know, if we think of intuition, and, and by the way, I should also mention that when people go through the detox program, there's support. So we, we typically have seven teaching assistants that have smaller group meetings with the respective groups. So let's just say that you scored low on your intuition. So you're not paying attention to your inner messages. You're not having greater senses of awareness with your body and, and really coming from that place of intuition when it comes to eating or just your life. So what we have are, are various tools and tips within the smaller group sessions that help with intuition. You know, I think most times people can't even define what intuition is. So, so sometimes we just define, you know, what is intuition? What does it look like? How do you know that you're experiencing your intuition? You know, in my opinion, intuition is like a muscle, and the more that we use it, the more that we are able to really connect to its messages. Right, so it's kind of like following your gut, so to speak. Yeah, well, gut, Figur- so, figuratively. <laughs> kind of. Um, you know, the, the way that I think of it, and, and I've really delineated this after much thought and experience with these different realms, is I think that we operate on three levels. One is instinct. And instinct is just kind of like you do something, you see a child running into the street, and you, you, you're not even thinking. Like a reaction. That's not in- it's a reaction. It comes from the adrenals. It's, it's something ba- baked into our core. So that, that's not intuition, and it's not your intellect. It's just instinct. So I look at these three eyes. So instinct is, again, doing something in a reactive adrenal-type mode. And then the intellect, I'll just jump to the intellect because that's the easier one, and many people can probably already figure what that one is about. It's really having that analytical, deciphering process where you are actually mapping out different things. If you have to make a decision, what are the pros? What are the cons? I think many of us operate from intellect. In fact, probably 90% of us are there all the time. Whether or not we have a strong intellect or weak intellect, it doesn't matter. We feel that most of our information and where we need to go for decisions and, and creating solutions comes from using the intellect. And one time I I came across this phrase, and I I don't remember who said it, but that the longest journey that anyone travels in life is moving 18 inches, moving from the head into the heart. Mm. And when we get into the the space of intuition, now we start talking about the heart-brain connection. So, um, and there's been some great research from companies like HeartMath. Yeah. So HeartMath has shown that the the heart is precognitive, which means that it is sensing information before it's already happened. And if we're paying attention to the sensations that we get, so intuition comes in in a variety of different forms. For some people, they get kind of a, a visual or they might have an image. They might dream about something and it keeps surfacing. And they're like, why do I keep dreaming about snakes? Or why do I see a squirrel Every time I'm crossing this part of the road, time and time again, that, that can't be coincidence. There, there's something I need to be looking at here. Or why is my low back going out every time I eat dairy? Is there a message? You know, what is the deeper intuitive connection we have with that experience? Some people have just a, they call it clairsentience, where they just have a sense of knowing about something. So it's not necessarily visual. They just know. They can't explain how they know. They just know. So they might wake up and, and I've heard this, and Chris, you probably have heard this as well, where people say, oh my goodness, I was thinking about my friend 
for like five days straight. And then all of a sudden I hadn't talked to, with them for years. And then they call me uh, on that sixth day. Sure. Can that be, a, in fact, that just happened. Somebody was just telling me about that. That's the intuition, right? So first we have to define what it is. So the instinct, the intellect and the intuition. And then from there, we, we develop tools and we give people tools within the detox to start identifying and dialoguing with their intuition. So that's just one example. You asked just about intuition and detox. Yeah, I mean, I'm really fascinated by that part. You know, because mm-hmm. like you said, uh, a lot of people already know about the food and, and the nutraceuticals and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm fascinated with like delving a little deeper into the, some of the stuff that's a little bit, uh, you know, different from what, you know, is certainly good work, but is more a little bit more commonplace in this day and age, at least in the functional medicine circles. Have you ever read Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink? I know the basic premise of Blink, uh-huh. but I haven't read it. Yeah. Well, I'm curious what you think about that because, you know, you're talking about the three eyes as you have labeled them and intellect being one of them. And you said, I, you think that a lot of people sit in intellect a lot And I think that's true on one level. And Gladwell in his book, one of the things that he sort of talks about is that, listen, you've already made the choice. Like what, I mean, like, I think one of the examples he gives is like a car. If you're going to buy a car, it's more simple to talk about if it's just between two cars. So say it's time to go buy a car and, and, you know, you're looking at the red sports car or the blue family sedan. And depending on who you are and, and where you're coming from, you already know which car you want, but then you're going to sit there and, and you're going to say like, right. you know, oh, well, <laughs> gonna mull it over. I want the red car because, you know, it, it'll fit in my garage better or something. You, like you'll come up with some you know, rational reason that, that sounds like a pragmatic reason. But in reality, what you're doing is you've already made your choice and now you're trying to like make your brain happy sort of with the choice that you've made. And mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's kind of an interaction between that, in, I think, between what you're calling intuition and intelligence. Would you, does that yeah. seem right? Yeah. Yeah, that seems right. Absolutely. There could be a little bit of instinct in there too. Like, you know, you walk in, it's like just there's that instinct just to grab something. You know, you really want something and you can't explain it. The, the intuition, I think, too, is it's softer. You know, it, it's, it's also combining experience. Like you may have also had a red car in your life at some other time, and maybe you were in an accident. So that's baked into your subconscious, right? Like you're, you're, most of us are working from our subconscious. We're, we're not even working from the conscious mind. And so many, and, and I see this with food and eating, that people have no idea why they're craving potato chips but as you start to go deeper into more of the intuitive work, more of the underlying connections that people have, their experiences at a very deep emotional level, things start to surface. But yes, I agree. There, there is a dance that's going on there with many parts of us when we make decisions. And what's really neat is that we're, we're the sum of all of our decisions. Every decision we make and how we make it says something about who we are. And in the end, whatever decision that we've made becomes who we are. So that's always until you make your next decision. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all part of the picture, right? It's an ongoing dynamic epigenetic process. And so that's why I mentioned to patients to always, you know, to, to be in that space of, of great awareness with every decision, because even if it's down to buying clothing, 
You know, where, where's the clothing coming from? Was it made by children in, in Thailand? Is it um, synthetic, toxic byproduct material? You know, like, what are all these decisions? And I think that they, not to say that we have to get bogged down in everything and we become paralyzed, but that we have to be aware. We have to be really conscious of the impact, the ripple through effect of every choice we make. Yeah, or we get to be instead of having to be. So you mentioned epigenetics. That's like a, a, a trigger word for me that, that I like epigenetics. Can you talk about how detox and definitely feel free to talk about, you know, the emotions or the nutrition or, or you know, any or all of the aspects. Can you talk about how detox affects genetics? Well, everything affects genetics. So everything that we were just talking about, you know, what is epigenetics? It's just the interplay between genes and your environment. That's, that's it very simply. It's a kind of a, a foo-foo word that everybody is tossing around, but it's, it's really basic. It's just what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. And as, um, as our mutual colleague, Dr. Bob Rukowski, would say, you know, that's why you want to eat right, poop right, drink right, love right, move right, all of this right, yeah. you know, I love that, how he does that, yep, because yep. everything we're doing, um, our thinking, our, our words, our, um, just even where we're located, everything is constantly signaling in, and there's a great proverb, and I believe it's a Chinese proverb that says, as within, so without, as above, so below, meaning we are the macrocosm and the microcosm combined. So we are the planet, essentially. We are representing, I love that one video that I've seen on YouTube where you zoom into a cell and that goes deeper into uh, nucleus and into electrons and essentially what you see is a representation of of the universe and and orbits. (laughs) And then you zoom out of that and and then you see the big universe. And so basically, I think that we're on this continuum. And why is detox so important for epigenetic reasons? Because what we do to the planet, we do to ourselves. It gets back to Chief Seattle's age-old quote as well about how we are part of this unified web. So if we're polluting our planet, we are, it's just going to come back on us. It's, it's karma. It's, it's not even karma. It's real-time karma. So and if it's not for us, it's going to be for our children and our, our lineage. So I, that for the reason that our planet is becoming much more toxic with plasticizers, heavy metals, toxic emotions, toxic thoughts, toxic relationships, all of this, um, you know, I've just been tuned in recently to this whole thing about bullying on social media and just happened to come across a couple of articles and just found it really intriguing uh, how even people are treating each other in the, on this planet through virtual means. And I think that people are sometimes much more um, quick. They're much more forthright. They, they would say things in an email that they would never say in person. And so our dynamics are changing. And all of this is changing us. So for that reason, detox, what is it? It's just a fancy word for saying that essentially we're getting clear. We're getting clean and clear on, on who we are, what we're about, what choices we need to make going forward. Oh, that's a very interesting uh, way to define it. I think that's part of why you can look, you know, you, Deanna Minnick, are, you, you talk about detox and you're talking about everything, you know, limiting beliefs, intuition, all these different things, and you still are calling it detox. I think for a lot of people, they wouldn't call that part detox. It's like, okay, that's like, 
that's awesome stuff. And that's like other parts of lifestyle management sort of or something. So I like your way of kind of bringing it all together, I guess. And you're calling it whole detox or whole body detox. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, what is a toxin? Uh, In my book, Whole Detox, which is coming out in March 2016, the way I define it is a toxin is anything that stands in the way of your growth and potential. So that might be a person. It might be bad weather. It might be, you know, uh, something in your work environment, maybe a dynamic, who knows? So I, I see it very broadly because, you know, what is, it's yin and yang, you know, what, what do we want more of? What do we want less of? And most people are so focused on what they don't want. They're not focusing on what they do want. And so we're focusing on the toxins and not on kind of the, the nourishing part of, of, of life, right? It's straddling both sides. You know, I like to bring left brain and right brain into everything that we do within food and spirit. So anyway, I, I hope that that answers your question of why are you calling this detox? Because um, I think that sometimes we do need that, that subtle reset button pushed when it comes to toxicity and toxicity in all forms. What's standing in our way? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Absolutely. Well, you know that I am really into functional neurology. The brain controls and coordinates everything in the body. And, you know, as I'm saying that, I don't know, maybe I might get some resistance from you for with just even that statement. It's sort of a basic statement, but then again, it's like, it's like, well, uh, actually the heart is sensing things. (laughs) So, let me back up and say the brain has a very significant influence over our health and our bodies. Can we say, can we agree on that part? <laughs> the brain does, but if you look at the research and you just look at a physiology textbook, what you see is that 90% of the afferent nerve fibers move from the trunk of your body up to the brain. Yep. So it's not that the brain is just, it's a computer. It's hardwired to process things. Um, Of course, I think that there are many parts of the brain and it's much more complex than what I'm referring to. But at a very high level, I think that every cell in our body has this awareness and is able to to really propel actions as well. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I think to some degree (laughs) that's cellular memory. Yeah, it's it's it, I believe it's the t, it's it's truly the DNA and the epigenetics that we were just referring to, and that's not limited to just the brain. Okay. I mean, I think that's a little bit, partly it's sort of semantics and partly it's it's a little bit more elegant way of looking at the body instead of, because when we say brain, it, you know, in sort of like the medical tradition, we, you know, we're sort of chopping off that system and we're saying, okay, just the brain or just the heart or just the lungs or whatever. Right, and, right. you know, what, I mean, when I say brain, I'm you, you said afferent, which means... Uh, nerve fibers going up into the brain, sort of talking to the brain from the body to the brain or from the outside or inside environment of the body to the brain. And then efferent means out, you know, the stuff that's coming out of the brain. And, you know, there's the brain, you know, you could talk about it like it's like this, you know, regulation center where it's, uh, you know, it's kind of doing the responding and stuff like that. And, and are the you know, the cells out in the body, are those, are those making decisions? I don't know. It's an interesting way to, 
to think about it. I mean, there's there's just no way to separate all of it. But my point being is, is you're writing a book called Clean Brain, and I just wanted to ask you about that. So stop bullying me. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a healthy scientific dialogue. This is, you know, going through my doctorate, um, gosh, I'm so used to these kinds of uh, discussions, right? Where, you know, it's, it's not personal. It, it's it's really like a quest for the truth. No, and, no, I'm and, just goof, you know, I'm goofing around with you. It, right? Yeah, I'm actually writing two books. So the first one I mentioned is Whole Detox. That comes out in March 2016. And it's really a handbook to how do you do detox in a very uh, full spectrum way. The other book I'm writing with Dr. Alejandro Younger, who is a physician who is very well versed in detox, actually. So he came out with his first book called Clean, and then that was a New York Times bestseller. And then he came out with Clean Gut, same thing, another bestseller. He came out with Clean Eats. So in casual conversation one, t- one day, I said, well, Alejandro, what about, you know, the brain? We've got to get to the brain. And he said, oh, Deanna, that's perfect. You're going to write it with me. You know, he's from South Africa or South America, so he has a little <laughs> bit of this charming accent. So we're, we're writing this book together, and it's called Clean Brain, Clean Mind. And so I am the, I would say, the nerdy scientific nutritionist chick who is writing the all this stuff about the brain. I've I've lectured quite extensively about brain health and what are the foods that you need to eat in order to have better cognition, memory, learn better, and feel better even, you know, the sense of mood. And so then um, Dr. Younger is going to focus more on his story and his experience with depression and mood disorders. And, and he'll write from that perspective, talking about the mind. So I think we're going to get a little bit philosophical in that book. We're going to look at, you know, just that's why I think I, you know, when, when you say something like, you know, most actions are controlled by the brain, it's really coming off the heels of a conversation I just had with Dr. Younger not too long ago, where we were talking about the many different levels of what is the brain? What is the mind? What is consciousness? Where is it stored? Because what's the point of life? What's that? (laughs) I said, said, what's the point of life? You're, you're almost, it it can take you down that path. You (laughs) know, I mean, this becomes not really even a scientific argument, but then it becomes a philosophical debate as to, you know, because there isn't anything solid. You know, I teach a whole course. It's called Fundamentals of Mind-Body Medicine. I teach at University of Western States in their graduate program there in uh, functional medicine and nutrition. And I ask the students, what is the mind? Is the body just a, a simple, very not complex receptacle for whatever we call the mind? And does the body have any direct impact on the mind. And, and what we know is that it does. And you being uh, a chiropractic physician know very well that alignment in the body can do so much to change our biochemistry. And if we're changing our biochemistry, it's going to change how we feel and how we move and all of that. So I think it's so interconnected. It's so hard to tease it out in ways that our intellect wants to. We, it's almost like we just have to swallow it whole. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why we can continue to have conversations and read books and, you know, not not ever get to the end of it, but continue to develop our our understanding of it. And it's it's always fun. I think of neuro linguistic programming or NLP and and some of the stuff that, you know, you you look at someone with their shoulders, see if I can like, you know, uh, paint a picture for people that are listening there's no video here but you can kind of 
even if I just say, think of someone who's depressed and right mm-hmm. away you're going to think of someone that's, you know, their shoulders are slumped probably. They probably, mm-hmm. if they're moving, they're probably moving a little bit slower not standing upright as much and probably their facial expressions are also depressed. Like everything is depressed, right? Right. And one way to start to get at like making a change for something like depression is even just, it's almost like a faking it till you make it sort of a Mm -hmm. scenario, but just literally like holding your shoulders back, standing up straight, like, you know, just doing your best to smile, like that kind of stuff. Like you will feel better when you speak in a certain way and you hold your body in a certain way and stuff. So very interesting. Well, I think of Amy Cuddy's, uh, you're familiar with the power pose, right? Uh, No, I'm not. What's that? This is fascinating. Uh, just look for the TED Talk on the power pose by Amy Cuddy. Amy Cuddy is a, um, a PhD professor at, I think she's at Columbia University still. And she talked about how when she would teach as part of the MBA program, what she would find was that when everybody would get into her classroom, that there would be different dynamics that would surface. So people that would have a hunched posture, kind of hunched over like a lot of women do. They kind of cross their legs, they cross their arms, and they're kind of hunched over. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the most disempowering pose. But for some of the men in the class who were also very alpha and very, you know, more assertive and and, um, very successful, she noticed that they had a posture in which they had their shoulders back, spine was erect, legs were a little bit apart, feet flat on the ground, and maybe hands on the hips right? That, that feeling of, of confidence through their body. So she did this study in which she put people in different poses, just their body. She didn't tell them to think anything or do anything. She just had them change their body posture. And what she found was that within two minutes of assuming what she calls the power pose, the one with the shoulders back and the feet on the floor, mm-hmm. the authority pose, yeah. was that within two minutes, the uh, levels of testosterone had gone up and cortisol had gone down. And in the field of business, having high testosterone and low cortisol is the optimum, right? Because you want to be a leader, you want to be assertive, but you don't want to be stressed in doing that. So you want cortisol to be low. So look into her work, Amy Cuddy, C-U-D-D-Y, fascinating stuff. Sometimes in a class, I'll just have everybody spend two minutes and we just do the power pose. We just Very sit cool. there in the power pose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I Googled her and she, I pulled up her 21-minute t- TED Talk. I God, I love TED Talks. There's out. so much when, good when stuff there. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know, we're coming to the end of our time already, and I've had a ton of fun getting to know you and your work a little bit better, and I hope we can do something like this again. One of the things I really hope for with this show is I want to give people actionable items. So something that they can come away with and sort of integrate into their life or use or, you know, at least think about, but hopefully something that they can actually do. So you mentioned cravings earlier. Is there anything that you can do that or say that uh, if people want to decrease their cravings for anything? Mm-hmm. So you gave me the the big mountain to climb in in five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, I do a lot of speaking on emotional eating. Let me just give you my three-step process. And unfortunately, we won't have time to go into each of the three steps, but you can get the gist. Number one, you have to first identify that you even have a craving. Most people are very unaware, actually. They don't even know that they're emotionally eating or that they're addicted to a food. 
they have no clue. So they're, you know, becoming aware of your attachment to certain foods. And there are different ways to do that. Number two, this is kind of the, the transition from becoming aware and doing something about it. Sometimes we have to have an alternative. Sometimes we're, we're just not ready to leap into figuring out what that craving is about. So what we can do is develop alternatives. That could be when you are craving those potato chips, maybe instead of reaching for the bag of potato chips, you decide to call a friend. You know, in the addiction world, there is this thing of the 15-minute wait out, where if you can go and do something else to get your neurotransmitters firing in, in different directions, that essentially you are, um, it, it's almost like you're resetting your, yourself. So you can go for a walk, walk out your front door, seven and a half minutes, walk back seven and a half minutes, that's 15 minutes, you know, you, you've already reset yourself. Just do something else, like try to just distract yourself. And then number three um, is, is really mining, what I call mining the root. Functional medicine is all about looking at the root cause. So the root cause might be physiological, it might be psychological. And sometimes, many times, it's a combination of both where, you know, it's like, well, which came first? Was it that I had a magnesium deficiency and I started craving chocolate? Or was it that I started eating all this chocolate and this changed my brain pattern and I started doing different things and that helped me to deplete more magnesium and that's why I'm craving more? You know, it's, again, it's chicken or the egg. So I like to have fun with more of the, once I've ruled out some physiological things, some things from the body that might be propelling the craving, then I start to look at more of the psychological stuff, which is fun. So there's a technique. Super fun. Yeah, it, it is super fun. You know, um, I teach this within the food and spirit programs that I do. There's an activity called laddering where we go into, in mine, you know, why are we fixated on chocolate or coffee? Or yesterday I was uh, doing a radio show with somebody and he was asking me about cravings, just like you. And I asked him, I said, so what's your, what do you crave? And for him it was pasta sauce and I said pasta mm, sauce pasta you know sauce. I, I've never had somebody it's... said pasta <laughs> so then I asked him I said is it pa-? and he's like oh yeah you know the pasta with the the red sauce and so as we got into the discussion a little bit more as we would do normally in, in a workshop setting essentially what we found out and he had forgotten about this was that the pasta connected to his childhood where he lived close to a woman who would make pasta for his family and she was like this Italian woman. She always had, like her house was always smelling good from food. And he didn't even realize that now he's in his 60s and he still has this draw to pasta, which goes back to his childhood and having this sense of love and nourishment from this woman that lived in his neighborhood. Yeah. So he's still connected to the pasta. I mean, it just shows you the epigen effects, how they're even psychological, how we get these tags. Amazing. What is your number one health tip? If you had one thing that, that you could... I already know what it is. Go for color. Color in everything that you do. So eat colors. Make sure that you are getting the, the full spectrum array of different colors. Be the rainbow within. You know, really get into the spectrum of all those different seven things that I mentioned, which all align to the colors of the rainbow. Um, you should see my wardrobe. I even have everything laid out in, in the rainbow. I have... Uh, <laughs> My, <laughs> yeah, my, the plates that we have in our kitchen, 
they're stacked in the rainbow. We have cups that are all stacked. So bring color into your life in, in many ways. It's very healing. It changes your psychology. When you eat it through food, it changes your physiology. And, of course, I'm talking about healthy, natural, whole food colors. I'm not talking about M&M colors. I'm not talking about candy. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, just Red vibrant. Cabbage. You know, I, I'm thinking about my smoothie this morning. I posted it on my Facebook page. I had lingonberries, which are bright red. They look like pomegranate seeds. I had blueberries. I had uh, baby kale, a green apple, and that was it. Oh, and a lime, a lime. And it was so, it was like pulsing. Those colors were just, and most of us don't get the full spectrum, which means that we're missing out. We're missing out. So go for color in everything you do. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I know that we have to end it here and I'm almost sorry that we do, but thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us what you do. Where can people find out more about you? I've got a website, foodandspirit.com sign up for our detox program at the end of July. We've got one coming up. It's a short one, just a seven day program. And then um, if you want to follow me on, on Facebook, I have a number of pages, but the one that I follow most closely is food and spirit with Dr. Deanna Minnick. So if you find me on there, um, we've got a nice community. And again, that's where you'll find my, my smoothie from this morning. <laughs> okay. That Thank sounds you, Chris. Good. This has been delightful and great work that you're doing, getting the word out on, all different uh, types of things. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. Okay, take care. All right, bye-bye. Visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content, including nutrition and detoxification advice, unique fitness videos, and more.